Listener Production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hi, Elle. How are you? Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. My guest today is Ray Vakili. Ray is a powerhouse with an amazing story. When she was just 18, she left Australia to study political science at Yale before doing an MBA at Stanford. She was on track to become a lawyer, but a chance encounter and a say yes attitude led to Ray landing a job as an assistant to the editor-in-chief of American Vogue, the incredible and iconic Anna Wintour. Fast forward a few years and Ray is now the managing director of LTK Australia. That's like to know it, the largest influencer marketing community and kicking some massive goals along the way. We've been talking to Americans all morning, so it's so funny to hear an Aussie accent. (laughs) I've almost got a bit of an American swang, you know. I first came across Ray when we kept bumping into each other at events throughout Sydney. And I was like, who is this amazing Ray of Sunshine? I got to know her, I now work with LTK, and I had to share Ray's story. Ray, I am so excited to be doing this with you today. Welcome. Thanks, Elle. I'm very excited too. I'm so glad I could join you. So to start off, I like to break the ice with something called the Fast Five. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, what's the strangest thing I would find in your handbag? Oh, lip balm. That is so not weird. No, that is so not weird. Give me something better. There's got to be something better. There's like pasta. Is there like pasta in your handbag? Oh, hot sauce. Hot sauce. Yeah, I've got a little um, sriracha key ring. Okay, I didn't think about that. There you go. (laughs) Okay, who's your favourite designer? Oh, I love... um, Oscar de la Renta, Carolina Herrera, Joanna Ortiz. Oh, it's very magical in your world, isn't yes. it? I'm seeing it's a whole thing there. Okay, what's been your biggest pinch me moment to date? Oh, gosh. Um, meeting Barack Obama and oh, wow. having Beyonce sing at a wedding that I went to. That was pretty cool too. Okay, well, that, that just went a, to the top uh, of that I list. I feel like I always, I always say the Barack thing, but like actually having Beyonce as a wedding singer was a pretty, pretty epic yeah, moment. that's out of control. Okay, this, I feel like this is going to be a good answer. Craziest thing you've ever done to get a job? To get a job? Yeah. You know, I feel like I've been pretty lucky in that I haven't done anything crazy. Really? I feel like you're that kind of girl that was the like... The hustler just go, that will like yeah. knock on the door. Said, yeah. No, no. I'm actually very shy. I'd say I'm quite timid in that sense when it comes to like putting myself forward for things. No, I like that then. Yeah. Then I feel like that's cool because it's, I mean, it's the unexpected, which is why we're here. So I like that. Okay. Last question. What was your first ever email address? Oh, um, Ray underscore Bay at hotmail.com. Bobay. I think it was Ray Bobay. 
We're yeah. all searching that now. Everybody's Googling. Ray underscore Bobe at hotmail.com. <laughs> We've come so far. We've come so far. Okay, so for people that are tuning in that don't know you or what you do, what is a little snapshot of who you are and what you do? Sure. Oh, gosh, I do so many things. It's hard to sort of like put it all into a sentence. But look, the short of it is I'm now working as managing director for a company called LTK. It's a Dallas-based influencer marketing platform. And I've launched it basically here in Australia. And we're now building out the team here. That is what I do as my full-time job. I also am a little bit of a content creator, if you can call it that myself. I love to cook. I love to dance. I don't dance on my (laughs) content creation, but I do do a bit of cooking. And have for many years now been in the sort of fashion retail space, working at Vogue in the US for a bit of time, working at LTK in London for some time. I've contributed to Vogue Australia. So sort of, yeah, that's... It's in a nutshell. Wear many hats. (laughs) Yes. I would love to know where you started. So you obviously were based in Australia and studied in Australia. Yes. I grew up in Australia, went to school on the North Shore, Pimble Ladies College, was here (laughs) till I was 18. And then I moved overseas to study in the States. I did my undergrad at Yale University. Um, And then... Can we rewind? How do you go from being on the North Shore at PLC to going to Yale? Do you know what I mean? Like, how does that happen? It's funny because Yale was the only school that I applied to overseas. Like, it was that or Sydney Uni or, you know, a university in Sydney. And so it was like my dream university from about the time I was 11. And then my sister started looking at applying at universities overseas and then all the brochures were coming in and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just the dream. She actually never ended up going through with the application because it's quite a long-winded process. But I was just set on doing it. And I basically said, if I get in, I'm going to go because this is the dream. And if not, you know what, that's fine. I've got another path carved out here in Sydney and it'll be great. So it was literally me getting in that made the decision for me. There were times, you know, as the date approached where I was like, oh my gosh, do I really want to do this? It's four years. It's a completely new country. I love my family. I'm so close to my friends. But I think ultimately it was it was sort of just this thing in my head where I had said from the get-go, if I get in, I'll go. Yeah. And I've never looked back. Like, I, I have literally no regrets. It was the best decision I've ever made. Wow. If you ask my parents, they might say otherwise because <laughs> I just didn't come back for another 10 years after that. So, But it's wild. It's such. What were you studying? What were you going to study? So in America, it's quite broad. Everyone studies sort of like liberal arts or a bachelor of science. I went down the liberal arts path, but that was also fun in itself as well, because in year 12 at 18, I thought, get a good grade, get a good UAI in your HSC. Yeah, get into uni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I thought that was the track I was going down. But in America, they just are so encouraging of you just taking all these random classes and studying languages. And, you know, there was a course on Harry Potter and like the mystical Uh find, like just random stuff (laughs) that you're like, how is this education? But anyway. I'm here. I'm doing it. And, and, you know, so like, I think on one hand, it confused me a lot because I I left after four years being like, I now have no idea what I want to do. Oh, wow. But I feel like I have an understanding of everything. So I did a double major in political science and international studies. I'm like, how did you go to fashion? 
Where did fashion come into it? It really didn't factor in until I started applying for jobs after school. So again, I was sort of on this law track and all through uni, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I did a lot of internships that were like legal interns, paralegal internships. I worked at the special court for Sierra Leone in my junior year and spent some time in Sierra Leone in Africa and then The Hague. Wow. Amazing. Like, I I really thought that was the way I was going to go. And even in it, like basically in America, so you do this liberal arts degree and then it's highly encouraged that you go out into the workforce and work for a few years before you go back to grad school and specialize in whatever you do. Yep. At the time when I'd graduated, I wanted to stay in America, but I I didn't want to work in finance and I didn't really want to work in consulting at the time. And they were the two main jobs that sponsored visas. So at the end of the day, it was just like, how do I stay in America? Yes. And I cast a really wide net and I applied to a bunch of jobs and one of my friends had a contact at Vogue and was like, look, just apply. You might get a job there. And it really, like, I was interested in journalism as well. I guess that's kind of where the Vogue piece came in. Yeah. You know, I, it's a great magazine. Maybe I'll be a writer. I mean, it's iconic. Yeah. Like, it's, it's the magazine. magazine. Let's, yeah, be, yes, let's be honest good. with you because when I look at your resume, it's like it blows my mind because there's so many layers to it. Do you know what I mean? It's but, all over the place. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's but it's not all over the place in sense of like, oh, yeah, I work down the street at the coffee shop. It's like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Literally the big, all over the world. Yeah, and they're the big people. Yeah. So like applying for Vogue is huge. Yeah. Like, straight out. Yeah. So then... That ended up just being complete luck of the draw that HR saw my resume, pulled it out of the pile, and a girl that actually went to Yale that was two years above me called me and was like, look, we don't normally advertise for this role. It's not a role that you applied for either, but is it something you'd be interested in? And that was Anna's assistant. And Anna who? Anna Winter. Anna Winter. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's so many questions I want to ask. So how old are you? How old are you at this? 21. Point? Sorry. This was 10 years You're ago. You're 21. Yes, okay. 21. And has the Devil Wears Prada come out yet? It had actually come out, yes. Okay. And so, like, I was aware of, like, the aura yes. and the, you know, like, it was, yeah, and it wasn't that long ago that it had come out, but it had definitely come out. And it kind of just went from there. I, I remember also them telling me that the other roles didn't sponsor visas, but this particular role, if... Like I got the job, they would sponsor the visa. And so I was just like, all right, let's do it. And I interviewed with about five people before meeting with her and interviewing with her. And then I literally got the job like the day before I was meant to move back to Australia. Like it was just all kind of, you know, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going back home. I've had a great time in America. Goodbye. But then I got the call and I was, I went back to Australia. They sorted out my visa and was back in America two weeks later. Like it was very quick turnaround, didn't really have a break between uni and starting work. But that was sort of my introduction into fashion. And did you love it? Loved it. Absolutely. Like, I mean, aside from the fact that like you're meeting just the coolest people every single day, yeah, it was like being, I think, an assistant or like an executive assistant to someone of that caliber or like at that level. And it can be any executive. It doesn't have to be like Anna Winter. I think you just, you really see such an overview of what a business business. is like or what an industry is like. And to be like following around the editor-in-chief of Vogue in New York of like the most iconic fashion magazine, you see every aspect of the industry. And 
that's like truly that's where my love came from because I started to understand that, you know, fashion isn't just about designing yeah. clothes, although there is that element too. But, yeah. you know, there's just, it's it's a multi-billion it's dollar a business and yeah. it touches every single industry. Like yeah. in politics, people care what they're wearing in, yeah. you know, the arts and theatre and drama and cinema. And so it was just like this whirlwind experience that gave me a really good understanding of everything that was out there. Because I think also when you graduate from school or uni, you just don't know what jobs there are. Like, No, and you don't know what it is. And did you understand the gravity of that role when you got it? Or you were kind of like, okay, it's just an, it's an assistant role. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Because it's pretty much set you up for the rest of your life, really, yeah, when you and think look, about I think, it. I think ultimately that is why I was willing to digress from that sort of path that I had so firmly set in my mind of like, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to do this. Because I knew that no matter what, at the end of this experience, like I will have learned so much. I will have built such an incredible network of people yeah. That like even if it was two years on the wrong path, it was two years that would be worth it. And yes. then after that I could come back. As it so happened, like I completely shifted <laughs> shifted <laughs> lanes and never looked back. What did your parents think? Like who was supporting you? So my parents in like this really dream. old school. Like I was a real geek at school. They're first generation immigrants, like, and you know, like a lot of first generation immigrants, it's all about studying hard, getting good grades, you know, going into those more conventional career paths. And so I think at first, you know, when they found out that I'd applied for a job at Vogue, they were a little bit like, oh, do you really want to be doing that? Yeah. But then when they found out that it was this position, they also saw that, like, it was a pretty cool opportunity. My mum also loves The Devil Wears (laughs) Run. She just (laughs) watches it on repeat. the best way to put it, really. Yeah, exactly. And so they were really supportive. My sister was super supportive of it. My friends were really supportive. There was no, like, resistance in me deciding to do that. I think, you know, after Vogue, when I was looking at what I wanted to do next and whether I would be staying in fashion, I think my parents were sort of trying to push me back to the more conventional career paths. Yeah. yeah. But by that time, like, you know, I'm, I'm like an adult now. I know, but it's still such a crazy, I mean, I only think it's just recently people actually take the word influencer as a serious job. Do you know totally. what I mean? Like people still only respond to conventional jobs. Like it's only, I think, in the last year, 18 months, where people are actually, oh, you're a creator. You know what I mean? And 100%. they acknowledge it. And like people and, have been trying to like even figure out the lingo, right? Like what is an influencer? Is it yes. a creator? You're creating all the content. Like, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, working at LTK, that is where I really started to understand the power of this industry. I'm like, okay, this is like people are making serious money off of this. Traditional media is is sadly dying. Was that happening at Vogue when you were at Vogue? Was the shift with social media coming through when you were there? It was coming through. And I think I think they're really lucky in that Anna's like a very, you know, they had just done the Kim Kardashian cover. And oh, she was like yeah. the first true influencer, right? Did you do the Met? Did you I do did, the yeah, Met? I did, yeah, I did two Stop. Mets. Stop. We and have to talk about that. <laughs> was that like wild? Yeah, it was it was, are yeah. you pinching yourself? I, like, are you having, like, a moment? No, but, I like, for real. I just it all out. I'm like, oh, gosh, that was very stressful. But, but yeah, now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that was, like, a really incredible experience. But, yeah, yes. so I think they were recognising it. But, like, you know, even Kim Kardashian had a level of celebrity that a lot of content creators wouldn't have. So no, that shift true. was coming, but it wasn't there. You know, their digital team had almost doubled in size and they had a yeah. whole new floor in the time that I was working there. So I think, yeah. you know, that shift to digital was happening. Was happening, yeah. 
But just taking the content creator seriously, like I think that shift has only really just come about like last two years, I feel. Yeah, it's, it's very recent. I mean, the podcast is called Sliding Doors and I would love to know your sliding door moment. Oh, it sounds repetitive, but that, that really was, like getting that job was my yeah. sliding door moment because it just changed everything. Like I, I was no longer interested in the things that I thought I was interested in. I had discovered a whole new industry that really excited me and it sort of set me off to making all the decisions that I made in subsequent years, you know? Yeah. You know, even the whole content creator thing, They, I remember they published an article on Anna's assistance one day and, like, overnight that's how I amassed my small but decent following, See, you know? Like, yeah, I just woke yeah. up and I was like, oh, who are all these yeah. people? And that's sort of when I started dabbling, you know, in, in content creation and then I went and worked in London for a fashion tech business that, you know, was still in fashion, but in a completely different space. And that's where I was like, this industry is just huge. Like the paradigm for retail has completely shifted. And like people now turn to influencers for, you know, their shopping inspiration or what to wear or, and like, I think people don't give creators anywhere near as much credit (laughs) as they deserve. And, and, you know, brands are becoming tougher and tougher on creators as well because that that bar is just so high now. Like I remember yeah. back in the day you could take some like average blurry oh, yeah. photo. Don't even start. I could, don't even, don't, I could, yeah, don't even start on that one. It's like, and it, you know what's even worse? When you travel and you see what people are doing overseas and the level that they're going to create yes. content. Like I think we live in a little bubble here and don't realise the level that's actually happening overseas. Yeah. You know? like there's, yeah, there's not enough credit given for but sure. But I think in that sense, sure. right, like they've really become digital magazines. Like they create the content, they are producing the content, they write the content, they're like taking the fun. Back in the day it was like a model that would then yeah, come just- onto a Vogue set and they would do that all for them. Whereas yeah. like now that's all one person and, and their team. So there is enormous value in it, but also like I think creators really deserve that as well because they, they are doing so much now. And I guess that brings me to where you are now because I feel like I know LTK because I've travelled and a lot of the girls do it yeah. overseas and stuff like that. But in our space here in Australia, I still feel like it's quite new. So would you be able to just talk about that? Because I feel like that's where you are now. And yes, that's so in exactly it and it's so strong. <laughs> Yeah, that is exactly yeah. where I am right now. Um, was doing it just before, but basically, <laughs> it's so it's a three sided marketplace that has over one hundred and fifty thousand creators worldwide, over five thousand brands and retailers, and then consumers. And basically, it allows these content creators to monetize their content by allowing them to make commissionable links. So, if a content creator drives a sale for a brand, they will get a small percentage of that sale. Just in the same way that, you know, a brand will give up a percentage of their margin to a David Jones or a Netta Porter or, you know, some prestigious multi-brand retailer to have their product stocked on it. Yeah. The idea is that if a creator is moving that product for you and selling that product for you, they should be rewarded for that sale and they should also take a margin of that sale. Did you catch on to the concept straight away or did somebody pitch you the idea or how did that happen? Because it makes sense, but then it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? I think, you know, I feel so fortunate to be working for Amber Vensbox, who is the founder of this business, who is a creator herself. She used to be a stylist. And she just sort of understood that, you know, her followers were coming to her for advice on what to wear, what to look like. She was giving it to them for free and 
she was basically helping all these brands by being like, I like what you are selling and I like wearing this. So that's kind of where the concept was born. She should get a clip of this sale that she is yeah. promoting and and selling. And I think, you know, this this idea of the creator economy, it's like a LTK was really a pioneer in this space. They've been doing it for 10 years, like over 10 years, trying to figure out how content creators can monetize their content. This is only something very recent for platforms like Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. And, you know, I think YouTube does it better than Instagram even, way better than Instagram. But Instagram is only now just playing around with that retail function and that shop function. And so I think that is where the value of LTK comes from, is that they've always put the creators first and they're always thinking, you know, how can we make more money for these creators. Yeah. And then on the flip side of it is that, you know, it has been the wild, wild west for so long for a lot of brands. You know, they're sort of throwing money at this space that they don't really understand without really understanding any return on investment. And it sort of provides more transparency to brands to understand, you know, how creators are performing. And it also yeah. gives power to influencers as well because they can understand, you know, what products are performing best, what their followers want to see more of, And, you know, if they are selling a lot of units for a brand, it gives them power to then go to that brand and be like... Let's work. Yeah, exactly. Let's work together. So that is LTK in a nutshell. And now there's the consumer-facing app. So this portion of it is sort of, I think, creator-guided commerce. You know, it's a thing now. People follow their favorite influencers to understand, you know, what they're wearing, where to shop from. All of it. Sort of scattered over all these different platforms, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, your blog. TikTok, yeah. And LTK is trying to sort of centralize that into one shopping destination where you can just shop and you can find the products. If you like the person, you can shop what they like. And it's basically a digital storefront for influencers. And in, in that sense, it is really personalized because you only follow someone if you like them. Or I hope, yeah. I mean, obviously you've got some trolls out there, but like it makes that shopping experience more personalized in that sense. And then when you do go to the app, because the intent is there, what you see is that like the conversions are much higher on the app. And so this is an ecosystem that is really well developed in the US. And, you know, consumers are used to shopping on the app. Consumers are used yeah. to clicking through a link and buying on their phones. And I think it's yes. just these kinds of habits that we need to build up in Australia yes. so that creators can sort of see the results as well because until you've sort of got that ecosystem, all the right brands on board, consumers understanding that they've got to shop, creators don't really see those rewards until that ecosystem is built up. So, But it's happening. It is happening. It is happening. Yeah, yeah. And, like, again, like, I know you, Elle, posted a pair of sneakers that you sold, like, a gazillion units of. You know what I mean? (laughs) And you're like, I, I think, you know, even seeing something like that, you know, might then help you understand that, oh, like people really love watching yeah. my workouts and my runs and like... It's been a great eye opener. So I would love to just take a moment to kind of hear about some of the unseen sacrifices you've had to do to get to where you are today. Because you're a leader, you're a boss babe. <laughs> you are, but I think, you know, a lot of people are listening, kind of trying to do it and trying to find their way. And I do think sometimes our biggest learnings are from our failures. So I would love to hear if you've got anything to share of that. Totally. So, yeah, I think there are there are always sacrifices that have to be made. I try not to look at them as sacrifices because I feel like that kind of implies a regret or like a deep, yeah. like I wish I didn't do that or something like that. And, and I can honestly say that every decision that I made, like 
good, bad or ugly. <laughs> like I don't, I don't regret any of them and, and I've learned from everything. But in terms of sacrifices, yeah, sure. Like even moving home at 18 was a sacrifice for me, you know, leaving, leaving that comfort of my family and friends and going to study abroad. And then, yeah. you know, working at Vogue where I didn't have a single holiday for two years. I missed my own birthday party that my friends threw me because Stop. I was, yeah, like there are just See? a lot of sacrifices. And then, you know, when I moved to London to work for a startup, I, you know, in a lot of ways viewed that as a sacrifice as well. Cause I was like, would I prefer to go to something more secure or more established that people know about and have heard about? Yeah. And then most recently moving back to Sydney, you know, you're leaving all of the fast-paced excitement yeah. of life overseas for, a, like, different. It doesn't mean it's worse, yeah. but it's different, no, you know. And different. so you could view that as a sacrifice as well. But, like, I think at every stage I've been ready to make those decisions. And at times it's been hard, but it sort of just makes you a, a stronger person when you get through it. Something that we also like to talk about on here is imposter syndrome. And I think it's quite a common phrase, unfortunately, amongst a lot of women that we suffer from it. Is it something that you suffer from? And if you do, how do you get yourself out of it? I honestly suffer from imposter syndrome all the time. I feel like life's biggest (laughs) fraud. I do. And, you know, so after I was living in London, I moved to Stanford and I did an MBA at Stanford. And there's actually a saying at Stanford that's called Stanford Duck Syndrome. And it was something that was like drilled into us from day one because you're surrounded by all these incredible people that have started businesses and like are so successful or like top of their class or whatever. And the idea is it's literally like a duck, right? So you see these people seamlessly (laughs) floating through the water and you think life is so effortless for them. But under the surface, they're like frantically scurrying with their little legs. I feel like I'm the duck. (laughs) And so like I just try and think of that duck and it's like, yes, there are times where I feel like every good thing that's come my way has been a fluke and like, you know, it has. Like luck does play such a big role in so many of these decisions that I've made in my life and and everyone's life for that matter. agree, yeah. But I think also like... At some point, you have to stop attributing it to luck. And I just think about how hard I work as well. And then I'm reminded that, you know, all these good opportunities are not just coming along by chance. Just because. Just yeah. because, you know. And, and I think, yeah, you, you do have to stop calling it luck at some point and realise that, you know, hard work plus risk as well, yeah. I think it's important to take those risks, equals success. And at any time that you start to feel overly comfortable that's like when I think it's time to shake things up a bit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that comfort just means that you're sort of falling into that routine and like, you're not really improving or, and, and like, I think there is, there is a time for that comfort, but don't feel that comfort for too long. Keep pushing yeah. yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, anytime that you think that you want to quit, it probably just means that you should be working a bit harder. True. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and if you do quit, then that's like the surest way to fail something, in in my opinion. You know, like yeah. yes, obviously if you're miserable and <laughs> and you know that your your happiness is sort of dependent on it, yeah. I get it. But if it's just because it's hard, like you gotta keep going. Work a little harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. So you've worked with so many amazing people and brands. Who were some of the key people and brands that, that have really stood out along your journey? So I guess professionally my bosses. I mentioned Amber Vensbox, who is like creator, 
boss woman, incredible sort of leader as well. And she's so involved in every aspect of this company. They've just done a huge raise. Like it sort of almost validated her entire vision and goals. Yeah. And she's like 32, I think. She's wow. very young, four kids, boss, yeah. babe. Just amazing. Amazing, yeah. 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 Anna Winter, obviously, incredible person that I've admired my whole life. Elise Tran, who I work with. I, look, I try and surround myself with people that I admire and respect and and look up to in a lot of ways because, what do they say, you're, you're the sum of the people that you surround yourself with? Yeah, it's true though. It is true. And I think it's become more and more relevant in the world that we're living in. You know what I mean? You realise how important the people are that are around you that inspire you and lift you up. You know 100%. What I mean? I think- you want to be surrounded by cheerleaders. Like, And yeah. that's something I found, like the American mentality is really like supportive. And they're all yes. like, yeah, and they you go, can do and they're you there got to help. this girl. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so funny because I always like, we have so many American guests on this podcast. And I think one of the reasons is, is I really resonate with their energy and just the can do attitude and the support system. And, you know, I think you do this. You're somebody that is there that lifts other females, especially around you up. You yeah. know what I mean? If you need a contact, you can ask you. And I really think there needs to be more of us doing that here, which is going to make us more like overseas. Yeah. I think that's the problem though. Like I, I think so often people are so scared to try out that dream career or take that job or make that decision because they're so scared of what other people will think. Yeah. You know, they're scared of failing. Yeah. And I think that fear of failure again comes from what other people are going to think. It's not actually that you failed because Really, failure is a matter of perspective. True. It's a lesson. And this is like this quote that I really love. It's like, there's no such thing as failure, only learning how to succeed better. Everything is a lesson in how to do it better, but you only view it as failure if other people are like, oh, like. Oh, it's so true. It's important to surround yourself with people that are supportive and that dream big and believe in you and all that you want to do. Yeah, I love that. And then inspiration in your life, because obviously you're sitting with the multiple hats on. You've got your creator. You are the boss, babe. There's a lot going on there. Who is that? Are they the people that you do? Are you still chatting to Anna Winter on the phone every now and again? Just no, asking for advice? I wish. I wish. No, look, she did write. Just thought uh, I'd put that in there. <laughs> she did write my reference to business school. I've been in touch with her a few times wow. since I've left Vogue. But yeah. it's definitely not a daily thing. There were <laughs> girls there that I really respect and admire Um, that have gone on to do incredible things. I could imagine. Like I said, my friends, like I, again, I surround myself with amazing people and I am so in awe of my amazing friends that have gone on to achieve incredible things. Other creators, like I I look to other creators for inspiration. Yeah. Read a lot. Yeah. I like reading biographies. I'm a real sucker for like a, for like a, (laughs) you can No, but I love that. No, because it's really interesting where people get their inspiration from and they're not necessarily you know, like a magazine, you know what I mean? No, like yeah, I, lo- yeah. I love hearing that you love reading, you know, about other people's journeys, you know, they're inspiring. Some of the best biographies I find are, you know, obviously there's like the business ones. I really liked Bob Iger, who's the head of Disney. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my favourite are the sports biographies. Yeah. Because like they these get you, professional they? athletes, they're just yeah. next, they're superhuman. I never kind of thought about it like that, but it's funny how much you can transfer that into what we're doing that passion and that dedication. That's what it is. It's like when you think you've had a tough day, like yes. think of think of the pain these guys are in. Think of like the aches and the, you know, it's yeah. just, 
And I think there are lessons that, you know, when you when you sort of step into someone else's shoes and see what their life is like or how they've reached success or this incredible sort of element, you always see that there are those hard sides. It's never easy for anyone. Yeah. And it's never smooth sailing, but sort of understanding how they get there and how they've dealt with these hardships, I always find that super helpful. No, but I like that. I think it's it widens your view. It makes you, you know, like sometimes yeah. I think we have tunnel vision. Um, so what is next? What are you working towards, my friend? What's oh, next on the list? What's next? I, I could go and like, <laughs> beca- I don't even, flip 180 again and go into a completely different industry. No, for now it is LTK. This yeah. is really my main focus for the indefinite future, the next few years. Can I just ask with LTK because... It's an amazing platform. I believe in it from the get-go. I remember when the girls were doing it overseas and the conferences were happening in Dallas. Like I've known about it for quite a while. But have you felt like you've hit barriers in Australia because people don't know what it is or is the burn slow? Do you know what I mean? Where it's not as quick as you thought it would be? Like how have you dealt with that? Definitely. And as I mentioned, it's all about like building that ecosystem up so that things can happen quicker. But if people aren't you know, if, if not all the brands are on the platform and you can't link whatever you want to link. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that that roadblock? We like, just how work you... harder. Like, we, I mean, and look, in yeah. the past few months, we've seen a lot of positive traction. We've had a lot of, you know, events to raise awareness. Yes. And I think you are. You're starting to see it through the applications that are coming through because it's an invitation-only platform. Yes. And the calibre of that sort of creator is really high now. Yeah. And also, I think... Because the team in the US works so closely with us, we're on a call with Dallas every week. They're super invested in what we're doing. And it's like we're a fresh new pair of eyes for them. Yeah. So all of our problems and challenges, like they're listening to it. They're making product updates. They're working on the tech end. And like it feels like it's all coming together now. And it's exciting. I just had to ask because I feel as though... I mean, both you and Elise are such powerhouses and to have put your brands and brains behind this brand and to have believed in it so much. I was like, these two are onto something. But I also know how hard it is to launch something here in this space that people don't necessarily understand or are invested in and you've got to teach them. Totally. Do you know what I mean? And I think if it weren't for the fact that like, I've seen the results in America. Like this business works yeah. when it works. Yes. And even here with like a few select people that are making real money on the platform. And so it's just about creating all those conditions that will help it thrive here because, yeah. you know, Australian influencers are some of the best creators in the world. Like their content Thanks. is stunning. <laughs> yes, you are. I mean, it's a bit, yeah. And like your audiences are all over the world as well. They're not just Australian. Yeah. So there shouldn't be a reason why it doesn't, like, we can't have as much success here as they're having there. Yes. And also I think, you know, something that we saw a lot of towards the end of last quarter, which has helped a lot, is brands having faith to funnel collaboration dollars through us. Yes. So using that data to cast people to, I guess, more strategically allocate those dollars. And then yeah. on the flip side of that is that, you know, creators start using us a lot more and engaging with us a lot more and yes. and it sort of builds up that ecosystem. So towards the end of the last quarter, we saw huge progress on that front, continuing to sort of like strive to get those collaborations funneled through LTK. And- no, it's exciting because I think like, I think it's exciting to hear for somebody like yourself that's had so much experience in the industry and worked with iconic brands yeah. that are established and you're at this point now I mean you know it's an established brand but 
but being at the beginning of something almost yeah, in, totally. in this space is quite different to what you've done before. It's it's exciting, but it's also scary. Yeah. You know what? I just think it's it, it's exciting to be talking to you at this stage, you know? It is exciting. Cool. And like, you know, there are a lot of obstacles because yes, we're a similar market to the US, but we're also very different in a lot of yeah. ways. There's like logistical roadblocks, like payment <laughs> systems and like trying to get all of that in place. And that's sort of been our focus for the past six months. But I think when all of those things are in place, when, you know, the administrative stuff has been handled, like mm. I'm excited to see what we will do. And and like you said, like Elise really has that experience from a brand perspective. So I think, you know, the insights she can offer to brands that are yeah. looking to expand their marketing channels and influence of marketing. Yeah. It's so helpful from that front. And then on, on my end, having this understanding of the creator side and bringing my relationships with not only creators, but the brands that I work with and looking at new categories, because it's not just fashion and beauty anymore, no, it's right? A it's whole food lot of stuff. and lifestyle and all of that. So yeah, it's very exciting. We're excited. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my million dollar question for somebody that is listening to this podcast that is either deciding to pack up their bags and move overseas to study or are deciding to change their career, but they want to take that next step into that next chapter or, you know, achieve success in their world. What do they do or what would advice would you give? I would say just don't be afraid don't be scared of that discomfort and don't let what others think get in the way. You know, I really think that everything worth having is on the other side of that scary fear factor. Like you, you almost need to feel that level of discomfort to achieve that real success. So just go for it. Give it a go. You won't know if you don't try and work hard because, again, like my career path has never been linear. Yeah. You know, I've I've given a lot of things a go. Some things don't work out, but I I can honestly say I've always given it 110% every step of the way and that always leads to something good. Yeah. You know, you'll either discover that it's something that you love or it's something that you hate and you divert and and yeah. start again and and then you'll finally end up doing something that you love doing, which <laughs> is what I do. <laughs> I love that. And then just practical advice for people that are listening and if they're creators or their businesses, how do they go about connecting with you or finding yeah, the absolutely. Platform? Please email me or Elise Tran. I love that you're doing this. <laughs> I know. I love that you're letting me do this. It's just so good. No, because I think it's interesting, you know, and there yeah. are so many brands out there, especially based in Australia, you know, and it is about connecting the creator and the brand and the audience and actually understanding how it works because there is so much, it's so much that's grey that people just don't know. Yours is very analytical. Like you see it. Totally. We see it as analytical. And and you know what? Because we, we are so invested in this and we really want to see it work, like we are so giving of our time. Like if you, you are, like I, I want to. The whole team is. The whole yeah. team are like your best friends on email. We, we really are. And like, we will give you the time to tailor, make an approach or a strategy for you. And like, you can find me on Instagram, DM me. Yes, perfect. And I will get back to you. I'm very responsive on emails. Good but that, that goes if you're, if you're a creator or a brand, please. Yeah. We'd love to have you on board. Yeah, good. I love that. Well, Ray, this has been so amazing. I love that I'm actually speaking to the real Andy from the Devil Wears Prada. Like yeah. you really made that Andy's dream that. come true for me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like imagining you in that office and it's like 
It's amazing. Yeah, I get goosebumps when I watch that movie. I'm just like this. Do you? So yeah. funny and accurate. <laughs> oh my god, stop! I love that. But I'm I'm really excited to see this next chapter. Do you know what I mean? And see the growth from where you are now. Thank you, Elle. And you have, you know, you are so supportive as well. And like when I said surround yourself with cheerleaders, like I feel like you have always supported, you know, Mm. people that you believe in and brands that you work with. And thank you. And I'm, yeah, we're we're all so grateful. Like all the girls, like, we love Elle so much. She's amazing. (laughs) It's important though. Like, and I think that's why this podcast has had such success because we're allowing people to hear these conversations that only you and I would normally have on the phone or on email, but we're letting people into these conversations where we're sharing, you know, these experiences and advice. And it's really, it's what you need. You need your cheerleaders around you. I know. I need an LTK podcast and I have to interview you next time. I've been talking about myself the whole time. (laughs) No, I love this. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank Thank you. you, Elle. Thanks so much. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson. Producer, Tina Matalov. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.